It's midday, deep in the Peruvian Amazon. The jungle is hot, and the air is sticky. Andres Russo and a shaman's apprentice are resting on the top of a hill. And then in the background, I hear this dull, like... Just, it sounded like a dull like surge and roar, an ocean wave that was constantly crashing was the thought that came to mind. And I turn over to the shaman's apprentice and I ask him, you know, like, what's that noise? And he just kind of laughed and he said, oh, it's the river. Andres rushes down the hill, through the massive trees. Soon, the jungle opens up into a tiny canyon. The closer Andres gets to the river, the harder it is to see it. The whole canyon is full of billowing steam, and it is hot. You breathe in, and it's that hot, humid air goes into your nose, down into your neck, and into your lungs. And there's not too many places on planet Earth, I guess, where you can feel where your lungs are in your body because of that heat. And it's, I mean, it was really otherworldly. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. That is a recording of a boiling river in the Amazon. In parts, it's almost 200 degrees Fahrenheit, hot enough to kill anything that falls into it. And beneath the surface are two sets of Peruvian legends and explanations for how this water ended up so hot. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. You know, um, as a kid, I loved hearing stories from my grandfather. You know, he was a fantastic storyteller. Andres Russo isn't a bad storyteller himself. He's also a geothermal scientist who grew up between Peru, Nicaragua, and the United States. I loved stories of exploration and crazy animals and giant anacondas. And, you know, there's one story that, you know, in Peru we call it Paititi, El Dorado, if you want to say it in Spanish or... You know, there's even a, a movie about it in, in, you know, mass El Dorado, the search for El Dorado, right? The lost city of gold. It's part history and part legend. And it starts after the Spanish conquest of Peru in the 1500s. This is the real life history part. Waves of conquistadors had landed and fought for gold and glory. And now they wanted more. But at this point, you know, the, the sort of great empires had been conquered. So they go to the Inca and they ask them, the now conquered, humbled Inca, you know, where's another civilization we can conquer? We want more gold. And here's where we start perhaps veering into legend. And the Inca, out of vengeance, tell them, oh, you want another civilization to conquer? Go to the Amazon. 
You'll find all the gold you want there. In fact, there's even a city called Baititi made entirely of gold. The backstory there is the Inca themselves had tried to conquer the Amazonians a couple of times and failed miserably. Things did not go well for the Inca. But um, in the story, these wannabe conquistadors go off into the jungle and, I mean, looking for a lost city of gold, but they find nothing but death. Poison arrows, fierce warriors, you know, fish that pick you to the bone in seconds, disease, death, and a river that boiled. A river that boiled. For most of his childhood, Andres didn't fixate on that last detail. His grandpa told lots of stories like this. And on the coast of Peru, in Lima, where Andres grew up, most people talked about the Amazon in the same way, as this wild, untamed landscape, sort of separate from the rest of Peru. Even though it represents 60% of Peru's national territory, roughly, it was always sort of like, you know, the place to go conquer. In fact, there's a very famous song. It's called This Is My Land, This Is My Peru. Este es mi tierra, este es mi Peru. It talks about, you know, the coast and then the, the bread basket that is the, the, like, our core Andes, wonderful. Oh, yeah, and then behind the mountains is this landscape that needs to be conquered. And it's, it's part of that narrative. That narrative, of course, was wrong. Because the people who have been living in the Peruvian Amazon for thousands of years know where the dangerous animals live, which plants are poisonous and which ones are healing. And for centuries, they have known about the boiling river. Around 2010, Andres started work on his PhD in geothermal energy. Specifically, he and some of his colleagues were mapping geothermal hotspots in Peru, places where vents opened up in the Earth's crust and let out heat from the core. He thought back to his grandfather's story, how conquistadors were thwarted in their quest for gold by a boiling river. And he started to wonder, what if that wasn't just a story? For two years, Andres asked pretty much everyone he met if they had seen a boiling river. Geologists, people who worked for oil, gas, and mining companies, government workers, researchers. Um, but everyone said, no, Andres, we have not heard of any, like, big, bad boiling river. And, and yeah, I mean, after two years, sort of case closed, it, it clearly didn't exist. Andres was pretty much ready to give up on the boiling river when he went to a family dinner at his aunt and uncle's house. My uncle, Peruvian, my aunt's Brazilian. And she had always worked a lot in, you know, indigenous rights groups and legal stuff. So, you know, she's asking me, hey, Andres, how's your research going? And I tell her, you know, I, I'd been asking this question for about two years and, you know, big river that boiled, but no, it's just a legend and everyone says it's stupid. And she's like, but Andres, I've been there. It's so hot, you can't even put your hand, you definitely can't touch it. You can't even put your hand over the waters because it's the vapors are so hot. And then my, my uncle sort of, you know, no, Andres, she's not kidding. You know, she had made friends with the wife of this powerful shaman in the middle of the Amazon, and they invited us to go visit their place. And I'm sitting here like, what? Are you kidding me? The river his aunt and uncle were describing was unlike anything Andres had ever seen. And this is a guy who hunts hot springs for a living. But a body of water that big, that hot, he'd never heard of anyone seeing anything like it and couldn't find out anything about it online. So Andres asked his aunt if she could take him to meet the shaman and his wife. They flew into the Amazon. Then they rode in a 4x4 truck to get to a small river city. 
There, they met the shaman's apprentice. And then from there, we took a motorized canoe called a peke peke in Peru because, you know, turn it on the motor and it goes like peke 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 peke, right? We were getting close to the mouth of the river and the, and the shaman's apprentice says, Andres, stick your hand in the water. I stick my hand in like the cold chocolatey water of the Pachitea River and then he starts maneuvering the peke peke towards the, basically the plume. So the, the boiling river plumes out, the water's coming out. And it was this beautiful like olive green, mossy green color. And the second we go from one to the other, you know, it felt like warm bath water. It really did. I mean, not the big bad boiling river, but definitely like impressive. Andres, his aunt, and the shaman's apprentice got out of the canoe, followed a path away from the lukewarm water, and hiked for about an hour. And that's when Andres heard the roar of another river, when he scrambled down into the canyon, breathed in the hot steam, and saw the bubbling surface of the boiling river for the first time. I mean, it was really otherworldly. And it was hot. So hot that when frogs, birds, snakes, or porcupines fell in, they boiled to death almost immediately. They open their mouths in clear pain, and then water gets into their mouths and cooks them both inside and out. So it's absolutely a horrible way to die. Right away, the part of Andres's brain that is obsessed with geothermal energy kicked into gear. I kept checking my GPS. I'm like, wait a minute, we're like, what? You know, over 700 kilometers away from the nearest active volcanic center. This is a pretty well-studied area geologically, so like, what gives? Andres has spent the last decade trying to answer that question. And over the years, he's gotten to know some of the shamans who live and work near the river. In 2011, they officially gave him permission to study it, making him the first geothermal scientist to conduct research there with the support of the indigenous community. One of those shamans is Maestro Juan Flores, an Ashaninka healer who's become a mentor to Andres. They've walked along the boiling river together, Maestro Juan Flores pointing out where the spiritual energy is, and Andres stopping every 10 feet to take the river's temperature with thermal cameras and sensors. When I showed him, you know, all the little squiggles, it's like, okay, it starts off kind of like a cold, small stream, then it, a big injection point, heats up a lot, then it cools back down, heats up a lot more, it cools back down, heats up a lot more, and then it continues to sort of thermal decay until it smashes into this large cold river. And he's sort of looking at the sort of thermal squiggles, and I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, that makes sense, because there's a lot of, this place has a lot more spiritual energy than this place, and I'm sitting there like, this is so cool. You know, again, like... That was one of my favorite moments of, like, the last decade of working there. And, like, we both left, like, that is so cool. We tried to set up an interview with Maestro Juan Flores or one of the other shamans who works with the river, but we were unable to reach them. Long before Andres, people like the Ashaninka and Amazonians with other healing traditions have also thought about how the Boiling River became so hot. The name, the oldest name for the Boiling River that we can find is Shanai Timpishka. Shanai, heat of the sun. Timpu, the verb to boil. Ishka is an ending, so the, the name, Shanai Timpishka, boiled with the heat of the sun, it's a hypothesis. But there are other stories, hypotheses. In one, a powerful Amazonian mother spirit birthed all the waters. Here's a painting that one of our indigenous colleagues just made. Andres holds up a painting of the river, with dense, dark green jungle on either side. 
And up in the hills, lunging forward over the mouth of the river, is a glowing, ghostly-looking snake. One of the legends in this area that, that explains the fluctuations in temperature of the river over the year is that she gives birth to twins, the hot and cold waters, and they're fighting in different parts of the jungle. You can see them in the painting, twisting around each other in the river, just like the two currents, hot and cold, Andres felt with his hand when he was writing in the Peke Peke. He is still trying to nail down the river's heat source. Could it be just a, a sort of passive, non-volcanic geothermal system where the water goes down deep into the earth, heats up, and then comes back up? That exists. The only difference would be sort of like, this is one of those that's on steroids because it's so massive. Or the third hypothesis, which was really, really the scary one. This place is not too far away from the oldest active oil field in the Peruvian Amazon. And my initial major concern when I first got there was this was an oil and gas well gone wrong or a frack job gone wrong or some oil field accident. Andres and his colleagues aren't done with their research yet, but they feel confident that the boiling river is not heated by an oil or gas leak. So we know it's not oil and gas. We know it's not man impacted. I still haven't seen evidence suggesting that there is an active volcanic system there. So it looks to be just a regular geothermal system on steroids. Andres says to think of it kind of like your arm. Just like hot blood runs through your veins and arteries, hot water can run through the folds and cracks in the earth. In the case of the boiling river, you have an earth artery coming up to the surface. It's ultimately giving you what appears to be, we're still looking for other answers, but so far it still seems to be one of the largest, if not the largest, geothermal features on planet Earth. Like other parts of the Peruvian Amazon, the Boiling River is threatened by deforestation. A few years ago, Andres created the Boiling River Project, a nonprofit organization with the mission of studying and protecting the Boiling River. His indigenous colleagues are documenting their oral history of the river, and shamans are continuing to use it for its spiritual and healing properties. And Andres has also brought in scientists from the University of Michigan and the Agrarian University in Lima. They're studying the microbiology of the river, what kind of life evolves at those kinds of temperatures, and how it might inform something like human technology or medicine. I mean, it's changed me a lot as a person. In fact, working here has redefined what, I've, what I thought the word sacred meant. I mean, before it's like, ooh, it's sacred, it's a church, it's a place, it's a whatever, you know, but now it's like, at night, imagine just laying on one of these huge rocks in the middle of the river and just like, number one, you're feeling that heat go through that rock and enter your body. You're feeling that surge of water hitting the rock and you can very, I mean, you can, you can definitely feel something's going on, right? And then just watching these, especially at night when the air temperature is dropped, you get a lot more steam. So it's just these walls of steam that especially on like, especially with a full moon, they just dance in the moonbeams, and it's absolutely magical. We live on a really special planet, but sadly, we, I, I, I think we forget sometimes. <laughs> to learn more about the Boiling River Project's efforts to protect this place, you can visit boilingriver.org. That link is also in our show notes. And for what it's worth, Andres thinks one of the best ways to help preserve this place is to visit, support the local economy, and help strengthen the idea 
that this natural wonder is worth protecting. Thank you so much to Andres Ruzo for taking the time to talk to us and for sharing that incredible audio of the Boiling River. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Camille Mojica, Chilenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed by Chris Naka and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex. Of bugs. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radio Lab adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Dakota Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Dakota Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Dakota Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.